You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech fan number 259. I'm Tim Robertson. And look, there is David Cohen. Hello, David. Hello. Sorry about my voice, everyone listening. It's probably going to get worse as the show goes on. You sound pretty bad, but uh, I... I appreciate the effort you've made in dragging yourself to the microphone to talk to me. Ugh, I, it's a cold. Uh, it, it started on a Thursday around noon, and by that night, I was just completely congested. Uh, Friday was uh, not any better, and today, I sound worse, but I feel a little bit better, but I've got still the pounding headache, and now it's starting to drain, so I'm coughing a lot. Not fun. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, what are you going to do? It's, uh, you know, here's the thing. I've got a dental appointment on uh, Monday. I don't know if they could do a lot if I'm having coughing fits or something. You know, if i got to stop <laughs> probably, every few minutes probably, to blow my nose. Probably duck, yeah. <laughs> and probably uh, try and keep out your way when you cough. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got some pretty big dental stuff coming up, so i got to get it started, and we'll see. So, David, um, you know, I did two shows in a row with Owen. Uh, we didn't do a show last week. Uh, Owen's actually in Vietnam on vacation right now. And uh, I had a show kind of prepared for last week. I just never really got to it. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, I'm just, we'll just take a week off. We'll come back, uh, and it'll be David and I. And, yep. you know, the people out there listening probably wondering you know what happened where were you i obviously knew but i didn't feel it was my my place to say what was going on um did you want to talk about it at all sure yeah you know this whole brexit thing that britain's just gone through well effectively i was spearheading one of the campaigns and uh i was just too busy and um you know i got my result i've completely messed up the british economy and uh now i'm done you know the thing is i didn't (laughs) want to talk about brexit (laughs) yeah on the show yeah yeah um but i'm just making light of what actually has been a a, an unfortunate situation a difficult situation for my family uh my father was taken ill uh, a few weeks ago after an operation uh, and sadly passed away it was a routine so, operation yes it was yeah he he wasn't he wasn't hugely well he had a lot of medical problems he was in his early 70s but you know nowadays that's not much of an age but he did have some medical problems but they the the operation really needed doing it was for a hernia and they were confident they could do it without any risk to him but unfortunately um sometimes medical guys you know they they assess the risks and the risks are low but a low risk is not a zero risk and sadly um sadly he became very ill very quickly a couple of days after the operation and spent a week in intensive care with him but he wasn't able to recover so we lost him sadly um so i we then he lives part of the year in florida and he wanted to be buried in florida so uh, i spent last week in florida um you know, going out with my mum, and we'd, we'd obviously have to organise getting him out there, uh, and then um, and then going through the funeral and and all the stuff that comes after that. So that's where I've been. Um, it's a kind of a weird, a weird thing. You know, it's not something that I was particularly prepared for. I, I knew that that obviously one day, you know, the age I am, I'm in my forties, same as you, um, that I was reaching the age where people around you, you know, older people around you, start to die. Um, but I, I didn't honestly think that, that my dad's time was up yet. So, um, yeah, it was tough, and it obviously continues to be tough, but you have to move on with life, and the last thing he would want me to do is 
dwell spend on it. too much time, yeah, kind of wallowing in it. Um, he was a very kind of active, forward-looking man. He liked... He was interested in the things I did, even though I didn't. He didn't often really understand that well. Um, though probably more than more than a lot of people in that he was one of the sort of people who, if he didn't understand something, he'd kind of look into it and investigate it a bit more. So he 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 kind of got it, uh, and uh, he knew that this was one of the things that was important to me. And uh, you know, he knew what was important to everybody. He knew he was very active and involved in what people did. One of um, the. Um one of the the nice technologies that they have nowadays is they can live stream and and uh save the service so i actually got to see uh your dad's service yeah and and actually that was something that my brother did on his own initiative the um the funeral directors did not do that and they're now thinking about doing it <laughs> we kind of uh we kind of sold them on the idea well you know so, uh, you can't always get to oh look you're in the uk and yeah. uh, I imagine a lot of your family is in the UK, and maybe they couldn't all come to Florida. So well, here's exactly. an opportunity to, if you can't be there, you can at least experience it. You can see the people talking, and you can share that that memory with them. I, I was slightly perplexed in that the funeral directors had excellent Wi-Fi, um, which was weird because it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's in Florida. It's it's not in the developed part of the um, of the coast of, of Palm Beach where where we were. It's actually inland and it's um, you know out near a couple of nature reserves. It's it's kind of halfway to the Everglades really. And yeah, it had an excellent excellent um, internet. And I, afterwards, I was thinking, well, if they don't do this, if this is something that we did on our own ship, what the hell does they use this good internet for? Um, but anyway, they had that, so we decided, yes, my my family are obviously <coughs> if they were able to come um, because you know my kids are in school and and uh, my wife needs to look after them. So all of uh, myself and my two brothers were there effectively without our families. So they wanted to see what was going on, uh, and then we have we have family in Israel and friends and family. Um, kind of here in manchester and that sort of thing as well who weren't able to travel out for it so we did the live stream and and you know youtube records that now so it, we've got it available for anybody who wasn't able to attend in the future as well which is is something for people who you know kind of miss him and and didn't get an opportunity to travel for it so that was um that was that was a nice thing my brother organized doing and uh yeah it was pretty easy we just did it on the laptop and and off we were, off we went. Well, so. I, I never met anybody else in your family, and of course, I've never met your dad. But um, I did appreciate you sending me the link, and I did watch it, and uh, I felt like I got to know him a little bit through what you said yeah. and your brother and your mom. Uh, your mom was fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I could see where you uh, where you get it, who you are from now. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's nice to be able to share something like that with people you know, who who people who want to support you at a difficult time, and to be able to kind of see what you're up to rather than uh, necessarily, um, you know, just hear get a message from you saying you're not going to hear from me for a few weeks. So um, it was nice to be able to do that, and I think that's again that's the sort of thing he would have got a kick out of. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, people from all, literally all over the world could, you know, take part in that. That's that's pretty amazing. Last, the last few months, um, uh, at, at Christmas last year, I bought him uh, an iPod Touch. Um, and so, sorry, it was for his birthday last year, actually, last October, before he went back to the States. And so last year when he was in the States for the winter, I was frequently just getting Facebook time calls from him out of the blue. Um, and uh, it was really nice. And so he was really up on that sort of technology. He was, 
you know, he, he found it easy enough to use that he could. I, I do remember a conversation with him when I was younger, <laughs> where, where he said to me, "So email." So he said, "Where does it go before you collect it?" He said, "Does it sit somewhere, or uh, does it? Do you? Does the person? Do you have to?" Uh, the question he was basically asking was, "The person who's sending you the email have to know that you're online to for, to know that you'd receive the email?" You know, so so in the early days he wasn't really very technically literate at all. Um, but yeah, he really kind of embraced it, and you know, it's fortunate that the, the the consumer stuff we have now is so easy to use that even somebody like my dad, who was in his seventies and was born, he was born during the Second World War, for instance. I mean, talk about uh, a change in how how Absolutely. people live. Um, was able to use it, and it it was kind of cool. I, I quite a few times I used to get FaceTime from him when I was driving, and I had my phone propped up in the dash mount, and I would just turn it on, and I would say, "Hi, Dad, I'm driving," and to be able to see his face and talk to him while I was driving around uh, over video chat was uh, was was really nice. So I think he would have got a, a kick out of the fact that we uh, we live streamed his his funeral and then then put it on YouTube. <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. I really yeah. do. Um, and as I say, we, we uh, my brother should get shares from the funeral directors because they were going, oh, we we thought about doing something like this. We didn't really know how to do it. Uh, we didn't realize it was this easy. And so I'm sure they're going to be charging $1,000 per family for people doing that going forward. Probably, yeah. It might be a good business to get into somebody to start their own little business and going funeral home to funeral homes, you know, selling this service. All you need is yeah. a couple cameras wiring everything through a laptop teach them how to you know click a couple buttons to live stream and you're good yeah. to go yeah. set up a uh, youtube account for that funeral home and you know they could yeah. they can have it embedded right on their own website yeah yeah it's uh it's a crazy world we live in when it comes to tech and i would like to think that <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> i gotta remember to reach over and mute myself when i do that I would like to think, and I've always been a big proponent of the internet technology is bringing us closer together. And I think for a lot of people it is. Yeah. And while we don't get into politics or religion or those type of things very often here, if at all, um, there seems to be a movement both in the United States and obviously uh, England, where people want to pull back. They want to change things. The changes, I think, for a lot of people are happening too fast. And some old fears seem to be rearing its ugly head in racism. And, and I, you know, I think it's really unfortunate. Here in the United States, we've got a presidential candidate who is talking about building walls and keeping them, capital, capital T-H-E-M, them out, uh, monitoring people who are already in this country simply because of a religious belief. Fear-mongering. Mm. And, you know, it, it amazes me how much support some of these people have. And in England, you guys had the exit the the eu which i honestly was very interested in and i followed it pretty closely and it seemed so counterproductive that yeah. the that england would actually leave the, the european union i really didn't think it was going to happen and 
it did by a little over a million votes, and it was very close. But, you know, I, I think it's telling that the age breakdown on those who wanted to leave was 60% for those who were over 60 years old, and it was less than 20% to leave for those who were under 40 years old. Mm-hmm. And so the younger generation who this is going to affect the most long-term didn't come out and vote. No, well, there was uh, there's a couple of things to that. I, I think um, when, when, when Scotland had their referendum for independence a couple of years ago, they actually lowered the voting age to uh, 16. Yeah. And the reason they did that is they felt it was important that uh, people who were of an age who were going to be directly affected by this had a chance to have a say within reason. Um, obviously you need to have, you need to, you need to have a, have a, a line somewhere because otherwise you have 10 year olds voting who don't really understand the issues. But, um, they did that. Now there was a, a, a movement to try and do that for the, uh, EU referendum vote. Um, and I, I that was blocked. And I, I suspect, I seem to remember thinking that, that in the time allowed, the government said it was going to be too expensive and too difficult to organise because those people weren't registered. Um, and uh, the suggestion came in too late, whereas with Scotland, they because they had they have a certain amount of independence in their parliament, they planned to do that a long time ago. So they'd had the registration done, and, and that's key, that's obviously the key thing. So that, that's, that's one thing that, that kind of swung the vote um, one way or the other. Um, interesting enough we're talking about my father my father was adamant that he was going to vote um to leave um and so i i have some insight into because i discussed this with him before he died uh some insight into the reasons why and and his reasons were that um he felt that um there was too much uh non-democratic non-democratic um rules being imposed by the european union The, the way the european union is structured is that they have a, a parliament that we vote people to but the parliament doesn't really operate like a like the british parliament does they also have the european commission who are an executive arm of the european union and they kind of do things they reflect the will of parliament but they also do things on their own bat on the basis of what they think they should do to encompass european values and to um drive the european mission forward which is about ever closer integration and it's the european commission that people in in britain really have a problem with because we're we're bound by their rules but we don't vote for them at all we have no control over them whatsoever and even up even the european parliament doesn't really have a lot of control over them and that's the source of older people's irritation with the european union because they feel like a lot of these rules that come in uh, a lot of these regulations that come in are, are you know they suit they suit Europe as a whole but not Britain directly um, and my father was defi- dev- definitely very much in that camp um, which my, is understandable my, yeah th- well that, that's a perfectly justified view yeah. and you know what the, the problem with the campaign and this goes about what you said about um, about Donald Trump the problem with the campaign is none of that was explored in any sort of detail. No. The campaign was, you know, a punch fear-based. Duty, fear-based, yet if you do this, this will happen. If yep. you do this, this will happen. There was ridiculous claims on both sides. Neither campaign covered itself in glory. Um, and, and effectively, I think quite a lot of people, I, I could understand this because I start to feel like this myself, quite a lot of people, I think, thought, you know what, these campaigns aren't telling me anything. So I'm going to vote with my gut. 
and so you had people voting with their guts and and you know my personal view is people who voted to leave were, were making an incorrect vote because i think it's going to have we're already seeing since the votes happened that it's going to have a lot of negative economic uh, implications to to this country um and um that I think it's sad that the campaigns were so bad that people decided to vote with their gut and effectively made a vote that doesn't really reflect either their interests or their country's interests, but just reflects a um, a negative view of politics in general. And I I strongly believe that's where Donald Trump comes from. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Is, yeah. The problem is, if you don't put a stop to that, if you don't have a more mature debate, then, then that leads to an ultimate conclusion. Nobody thought going into this... EU referendum that we would actually vote to leave. Well, Everybody some people thought, well, thought they did. Like, well, no, I, but I think I think most sort of pundits and pollsters right. and economic things thought there's no way that any it will ever get as far as the majority of the country voting to leave, and yet it has. And there's an awful lot with Donald Trump people saying there's no way he'll ever get to be president, and yet he's well on the way. Um, and unless something spectacular happens, like he falls ill and doesn't feel he's able to campaign anymore or do it, or um, a, a massive change of heart, I think he, he he stands, let's face it, if you're in the running, you can win. Um, and I, I think it's very dangerous after what we've in Britain been through over the last week or so to for Americans to assume oh, that he, no matter how, he's too crazy to win, so it doesn't matter even if he gets the candidacy because he can't win. I think it's a very dangerous thing to think, because I, I think he could. And you, you talk about technology you talk about uh the media one of the problems of the media is the media will reflect whatever anybody tells them there's not a lot of analysis and there's not a lot of well that well, that's kind of my my belief as well that there was a time uh, i can't speak for other countries because i was too young and i wasn't paying attention and it wasn't reported here anyways but there was a time here in the united states where newsmen would hold people accountable for what they say. And if they lied, they would call them on it. And if they were making exaggerated claims, they would be called on it. Uh, this country learned a lot from the witch hunt for communism uh, through McCarthyism. And that wasn't who we wanted to be, and we changed. And the media was really the, the, the driving force for a lot of that. They showed the truth, what was really going on. And... If people were insincere in what they were saying, they were called on it. That doesn't happen anymore. You know, Donald Trump, I've, you know, anybody listen, obviously, I'm, I'm not a Trump supporter. But Donald Trump rode a, a wave of anti-whatever-you-want-to-call-it that has been perpetuated by some news organizations. Uh, news organizations who's conditioned their listeners to not trust foreigners, not trust this group of people or this religion, um, who always portrays their own beliefs in a certain light. The attack on Christmas, and um, they're, they're trying to get God out of everything. These, these fear-based reporting allowed someone like Donald Trump to succeed who yeah. used exactly the same tactics. And yeah. that's what happened in the UK. You guys have your own little version of Donald Trump who has the same hair almost who yeah. lied yeah. about a whole bunch of things. He, and and it, from what I could see, 
he wasn't called out on it, you know. So, so the the situation with the British media is slightly different. Uh, I think I th- we 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 don't have the partisan uh, media outlets, uh, certainly in, in TV and radio that you have. We don't have the Fox News or the you know the the right wing or the left wing channels. Right. Um, our, our our media remains <coughs> relatively centrist and unbiased. Um, Sometimes ridiculously so. The BBC has a reputation for fielding two sides of any story, um, but even when the there's things, no other side. It's, yeah, exactly. But they, what's they real and what's not? They give the they give each proponent equal weight, even though you could argue that one of them doesn't deserve the weight that they give them. So, for instance, if we have a if we have a debate about global warming on TV, they will have you know a, a, a scientist who who is experienced and, and has done the work on it and everything and then they'll have somebody who opposes it uh, who, who might not necessarily have any qualifications or um any um kind of standing for the for the topic at hand and then they'll give that person an equal amount of time now to me that's not responsible reporting no but that's a far, that's a far separate issue to yeah. Uh, you know, having partisan politics reflected in your media. The issue we have here is that the outlets that actually do um, have quality journalists who are experienced and, and very good at, at kind of pressing politicians at these points are a relative minority. They're not watched by a lot of people. Uh, and the problem is, is the mainstream stuff, the stuff that everybody does watch, is basically has also reverted to kind of sound, kind of soundbite reporting and the problem with sandpipe reporting is you're actually then taking the control away from the journalists and you're giving control to the media organizations of the campaigns and that's what we had we basically had every single lie every single distortion reported verbatim to us by the media so actually we weren't getting uh, any sort of informed view of what was being said we were just getting an echo chamber for what each side was saying and as i said before it's been roundly accepted by both sides including people who are inside some of these campaigns already that a lot of what they said was misrepresentation of the truth or an exaggeration of the truth the media and is supposed to be there for checks and balances exactly. and from what i can see and from what you're saying it's not happening in the U.S. and it's not happening in the U.K. And when that happens, unfortunately, a lot of times the fear mongering wins. The oh yeah. my God, look who's coming! Who's we don't know who's coming into our country? People from way over there are making decisions that's not based on our values, even if the facts don't back that up. And that's what people hear. That's what people react to. And that's why the U.K. is no longer part of the well. They still are right now, but eventually won't be part of the European Union, which <coughs> could have, <coughs> sorry, you know, long-reaching, really negative effects on, on your country. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, the, the reason that I voted to remain, and I'm quite happy to say it, is not because I was taken in by any of the fear on one side or the other. But my fairly pragmatic view is that better the devil you know. Uh, and you know the European Union has benefits and and disbenefits, and to me the benefits are great. The disbenefits are not so great, but the disbenefits, in my personal opinion, weren't as terrible as perhaps some people felt. <coughs> I don't, yeah, I don't argue with, I don't have any argument with anybody who voted to leave. In fact, my wife voted to leave, and uh, I'm quite upfront about that. And I don't have an issue with anybody who felt like that. But the, I think the problem is, is many people took the vote without really understanding what those consequences were and and i recognize that the consequences might, it might all be okay 
it might be perfectly fine and there'd be very little negative consequences and we could write this out perfectly well and I'm quite happy to hold up my hand and say in that case, well, hey, what's wrong? My my personal view is this is a sort of thing if you're playing with the future of your country you've got to have some information about what will happen and I felt we knew more about what would happen if we stayed in than if we did if we left yeah. so that that was my view now when it comes I, also I wouldn't I'm sure plenty of our listeners are Trump supporters um, I wouldn't have any argument with anybody who who supports Donald Trump I would the only thing the only well my only argument with them would be make sure you understand what he is going to do not what he stands for not what he talks about not what he purportedly believes make sure you know what he's going to do and if he says he's going to do something make sure you understand how he actually is going to do it so that you're not being fooled that's the only thing i would say yeah. and, and if if all after all of that you still feel that he's worth voting for then obviously you know democracy it means that everybody gets a vote they get a chance to uh, choose their own candidate and i would defend that to the death over anything else anyway i will defend anybody's right to vote for donald trump I just think they would be an idiot. And I know if we lose some listeners for that, then so be it. But this is somebody that's not qualified to to lead a Cub Scout troop, let alone... Yeah. Th- uh, he doesn't have the temperament. He doesn't have the intelligence. Um, he's a fear monger. He's a racist. He's a sexist. Yeah. This is not someone that I want to point to my children and say, that's the leader of our, our country right there. That's that's yeah. the, the the worst message I could possibly think to send. And so so here's the thing as well, you know, we are I'm now facing the fact that we're losing our prime minister who's resigned over this British uh, thing as well. Yeah. Now it, I I do blame him for this. It was I, his fault. It, it should never it have is, come to this. He called the referendum and the reason he called the referendum is because the UK Independence Party uh, back in the election uh, the last election we had was starting to take grounds of his party. <coughs> he thought uh, his party's always been divided, di- divided on Europe. So he thought, well, if we promise to hold a referendum, that will stop people voting for UKIP, this third third way party, and will keep more conservative votes and allow us to win the election, which it did. Um, and he thought, oh well, there's no way people would ever vote to leave, and uh, he was wrong. Uh, yeah. And the campaign he ran did not help. So I do blame him for this. But having said that, I think he's uh, he's been a pretty good prime minister all things round. He steered us through recovery from the uh from the euro crap from the worldwide financial crash and the fact we're going to lose him over this as well is it's kind of a, a a double whammy for me i know a lot of people listen to this will probably don't like david cameron i don't really like him very much as a person i think he's fairly honorable but i don't like some of the policies he's come up with but i think he's been a good leader well, um, i can tell you he showed a lot of uh, honor and integrity stepping down in the speech that he gave yeah i, I and, thought and wow he, that's a leader right there someone that he had did it with yeah. dignity and yeah and also he had a lot of people telling him not to do that oh and i'm he, sure he, he still did it because he felt it was the right thing to do he, he there was a letter from 80 or 90 mps within his own party including people from the leave campaign including <laughs> boris johnson to be honest who's the uh the figurehead of the leave campaign who's who basically said something they didn't want him to go so uh despite that he still he still decided to do it so uh you know we, we kind of we've lost him as well uh, the government's now going to be thrown in disarray while they elect a new prime minister, and that's going to take months. And that means basically nothing's going to happen through the summer. Um, and then we've got to figure out how to extricate ourselves from the European Union. So it's it's going to be really hard. Um, and even if you either you agree or you disagree with the decision or the reasons for doing it, the fact is it's a whole lot of work for a lot of people that 
in my view wasn't necessary but uh we'll see how it pans out um and then we'll see what happens in the u.s in november so with that we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back this is Mark Chappell of the Essential Mac and the Rampant Mumblings podcast. And this is Carl Madden of the Mac and Force Show podcast. You know what, Carl? No, nope, never met him. But it's funny how many people ask. No, no, no. I mean, you know what we should do? Get better riders? Well, that goes without saying. No, I think we should merge. Excuse me? Rampant Mumblings, Essential Mac, Mac and Forth should merge. Sounds messy. No, no, no. It'll be good. We can still have all the incisive news, views and opinions of Rampant Mumblings and Essential Mac along with... Well, whatever Mac and Forth has to offer. Hmm. And what should we call this new monster? Uh, I mean, venture. Well, it's still essentially an apple-related show, so why not how do you like those apples? Catchy, but does it essentially sum up what an apple show should be about? All right, how about get your apples here, an apple a day, chatty apple, happy pie, oh, oh, just apple. No, we essentially need something that is more apple-related. Monkey tennis. Huh? No, no, no. We just need something essentially Apple that lets people know we will essentially be discussing Apple-related things. You knuckleheads, just call your new podcast the Essential Apple Podcast for when people have essentially run out of good podcasts to listen to. Should have gone with monkey tennis. Back here on Tech Fan Podcast 259, I'm Tim Robertson. That's David Cohen. And this episode is sponsored by MacSales.com. We want to thank uh, OWC for sponsoring this episode of Tech Fan Podcast. And David, they had a press release that came out last week that honestly kind of blew my mind. They just released uh, a brand new Thunder Bay 4 with RAID 5 mm-hmm. up to 40 terabytes. Man. That's, that's probably, crazy. That's, that's probably not enough storage that for 10, 15 years ago you <laughs> stole the entire internet on it. Dude, think about this. Uh, Thunderbolt 2, RAID 5, 40 terabytes. Do you know how fast that is? It's up to 827 megabits per second, or megabytes per second. That is that is just blazingly fast. The only way you're going to get faster, honestly, is if you put SSDs in there, but then you're not going to get that 40 terabytes uh, of total right. storage. But this is a desktop... You could put this on your desktop. That much storage, 40 terabytes, that's crazy. I've got my entire media library on a three terabyte drive. Yeah. I I mean, even that's a huge amount of space. It is. I've still got some room left. (laughs) (laughs) But still, I mean, look, you and I don't edit video in 4K for a living, but if you do that... That takes a lot of space, and you really can't edit 4K video on an internal SSD. You just you don't have the room. It's yeah. going to fill up immediately. So this is a great solution for those who are working professionally, need as much storage as they can get, in a very nice protected box. Because if you're using RAID 5, it's backing itself up. So if it, one of the drives goes down, you just swap that drive out, and it rebuilds itself, and you're good to go. You pick up right where you left off. Yeah. But 40 terabytes, it's enterprise class, soft rate five. Um, it's not cheap. Don't get me wrong. It's $3,679. That's not cheap. Well, you say that. But uh, yeah, it's 40 I mean, terabytes. Uh, less 40, than four 40 grand. Terabytes, some, some, yeah, something like this in in the past. If you, <coughs> if you went to like, um, you know, Pixar 10 years ago, which is the sort of paid Five years ago. I mean, some of those, they, they'd be looking like a, a forty or $50,000 sand to do something like this. Yeah. So, um, 
Yes, it's pretty amazing. I mean, 40 terabytes, you could make the next Pixar movie with that hard drive, with that enclosure. Well, you wouldn't be short storage. You might be short processing. (laughs) Well, you know, it wouldn't be the fastest uh, to to make a... But I don't know. It's 4K, couple hours. Yeah, that drive would probably be about half full, and it'd probably take you a couple weeks to render it on a laptop, but you could do it. Yeah. But let's be honest. Most people aren't working on a full-length Pixar movie, but if you're an ad house or something like that, uh, you do marketing, that sort of thing, and you need as much storage as you can get locally... This is the way to do it. And you can't use cloud services when you're editing video. I mean, no. that's not feasible at all. I don't care how, I don't care if you're on fiber, you're not doing video editing, especially in HD or 4K over the cloud. You you need local storage sitting right there. And this is better than network attached storage because this is connected via Thunderbolt 2. So it's going to be extremely fast. Yeah. Neat drive. I, I, I'd, I, I'd love to have one. Yeah, wouldn't I? Yeah, get um, get OWC. Just send us a couple, a couple of those. Uh, yeah, yeah. Those. and some discs, obviously. You know. I have my uh, Plex sitting on there. <laughs> Plex terabyte. Media Service. Forty terabyte Plex movies. You be, you can become your own next mega upload. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> I I am the next Netflix. Tim Flix. <laughs> Tim Flix. Uh, I like the sound of it. Yeah, yeah. I could do it. I'm sure Comcast won't mind me pushing that kind of data over their network. Nah, no problem at all. So, like I said, thank you very much to MaxSales.com. If uh, anybody is interested in this, I'll put a link in the show notes. Now, look, they got it from 4 terabytes all the way up to 40 terabytes. So you don't have to get, you know, the huge 40 terabyte version. You, you could get whatever size you need. But uh, it, it's a great solution. I... I've used one of these boxes before, the Thunder Bay 4s. They're great. The software that runs on it, uh, SoftRaid, is really, really good. I know the developer himself. Um, Good stuff, and we appreciate their sponsorship. So, David, as you can tell, my voice is starting to go a little bit. (coughs) You hear it? Yep. Um, Sounds like my cue to read some feedback. uh, Were you on the show when we did the... The number, the, the list of gadgets? I was, yes. Okay, that was the last show you did, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah that's why I held this one from Brandon. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, most influential gadgets, his feedback. So Brune said, uh, Brandon said, where was the Zoom on that list? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mary, well, you I remember don't... the marketing around the Zoom when it was first I know, released? I know, I, know some, I know somebody who has one, and they were kind of annoyed when it stopped working. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it was, some people liked it. I, I seem to remember being in, I I think I was with you, and I was in CompUSA in San Francisco. We were there for yeah, World. Yeah, I remember. And uh, they were, they were, it was a fire sale because they were shutting down. And, and I picked one up and I very nearly bought it. I remember. Uh, dodged a bullet there. Brown. Anyway, said, <laughs> it was, it was, it was brown. brown. Yeah, he says. Um, seriously though, what's the difference between a gadget or an appliance or device? A gadget is something trivial that you don't really need. Then the iPhone should never be number one. Things that connected the world, among others, were the radio and the mobile phone. So, so, so basically, um, he, he, he what Brendan's going for here is that. Classes of devices are far more important than the particular devices. I, I would agree with that, but yeah. that wasn't what the list was. Uh, no, and um, yeah, he, he's he's Brendan's already given given it 
at least 20% more thought than the developers of the article did. Well, I mean, if, if we were going to go back and what's the most, if you use the most broad term of gadget, I would say yeah. number one is a refrigerator yep. by far. I mean, it literally changed the route. Number two is air conditioning. Yeah. Those are the number one and two. Nobody could convince me something's more important. Electricity is not a gadget, so you can't put that in there. But yeah. a gadget, air conditioning, refrigerator. Refrigerator is number one because we can keep food longer. You know, it, it that wards off diseases and AC for obvious reasons. Yeah. I mean, there's parts of the planet that we can live on now. Because we have air conditioning that you yeah. simply could not do before. Yeah. And without air conditioning, we wouldn't have the computers and stuff that we do. They would be burning up. You wouldn't have the manufacturing at all to be able we to even build the, these things. The internet. the internet is built in dose sensors, which all run on huge air conditioners. Yeah, if you've ever and been into a big data design. center, they're cold. And they're cold for a reason, because if that AC goes off even for a half hour, it's the opposite. It's super hot, and those machines start burning up. Exactly, yeah. So just to finish Brendan's point, he says, as far as domestic appliances go, women who are old enough to remember the sheer drudgery of housework all vote for the washing machine as number one. I'd agree. I'd remember as a child accompanying my mother to the local baths to do the laundry. Good riddance to that chore, washing machine and fridge changed her life and the lives of all women in developed countries dramatically for the better. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely um, you know, I see where he's going with that. Uh, he said... Uh, no, yeah, that part, Dad. All right, a, yeah, let's skip that part because that, that's just something to you and me, and um, I, I need you need to send those to me. <laughs> Almost a third of children... Oh, all right. So that's the end of his point. Yeah. Sorry, this next one's a, a, some, something else. So, uh, yeah, so... Uh, I, I see exactly where you're coming from. I, I think, I think Brendan, to be fair, as, as Tim said, the writers of that list just wanted to assemble a list of 50 cool things <laughs> so um it, it definitely wouldn't be my list and i it, gadgets with the definition that they were kind of using i would still say iphone is number one yeah i i think they're talking about you know influent influential pieces of technology in terms of you know personal use doodads not uh no. not sort of change right. society but i would disagree with him he says washing machine it I think the washing machine, obviously, is very important. I like clean clothes, but no, uh, refrigerator is much more important than a washing machine. And air conditioning is infinitely more important than a washing machine. Uh, I would say stove would be higher than a washing machine. Um, what, what do you think about microwave? I think a washing machine would probably be more important than a washing machine. Uh, or than a yeah, I, I, the microwave I think is a is a convenience item more than anything else. I, I think yeah. you can live with that. You can if you have if you have if you, if you go to like student apartment. I'm thinking about this because I was actually staying in a student apartment the other night. If you look at what you get in a student apartment, which is pretty much the bare basics of things you need to kind of get by and live on, you, you need you you end up with kind of a some sort of electric cooking surface. Yeah, hot plate, uh, a hot plate, or something like that, and that. To me, they, that's where you're really coming. And obviously the utilities like electricity, running water, what, what yeah. have you. But uh, to me, that's the bare minimum of living. <laughs> Whereas, you know, a microwave is almost like a luxury because uh, it's, I, it, it, all it does is it lets you cook things more conveniently and quicker than doing it on a hot plate. I would say probably uh, refrigerator, air conditioning, the automobile, an oven, and then, boy, what's the next one? 
Maybe a plane. Yeah, Those I, would be I was the top five. Say that, obviously, having done you know large freight in the last few weeks. Yeah. It, it, and I said this to my mother as well. I said, I said, it amazes me that we can do this, that we can. Oh, all there's a family fly out to another country and organize this so quickly. Yeah, it's uh, kind of crazy. No, because in in before the before uh, cheap air travel, we'd have been on a boat. It would have been weeks. Yep. You know. Um, so the fact that I, boats, I mean, by the still, way, make the top ten, but it, yeah. as does railroads. But I don't think in it was more important in the 19th century. I think both of those. Yeah, I think I think definitely um, road and road and air travel are the two kind of. Um, I know, I, yeah, I know a lot of bulk freight goes via via ship stuff that's not time critical, but yeah, space. and train, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, but a lot of um, yeah, it's interesting that I don't know I don't know how much freight you move around the U.S. by train a lot, despite the fact that we invented the railroad here and we we have probably one of given because of that we have a very extensive rail network not an awful lot of freight goes around the goes around britain by rail anymore most of it goes on the road yeah but you don't have the vast distances that you do here in the u.s and and it's still economically uh a much better price for manufacturers to ship by freight on trains than semi-trucks plus you can look the entire auto industry moves by train Right. Um, you know, back in the uh, 90s, very briefly, I worked for the Canadian National Railroad here in the U.S., actually. And I didn't live in Canada. They were here. They bought a uh, local train company called Grand Trunk Railroad. Everyone always said they I worked for Grand Trunk, but it wasn't. It was CN. Yeah. And uh, I only worked there for maybe six months tops. Um, I got hired in as a brakeman. They immediately put me into... Uh, to train for a, uh, a conductor. I did that, and I was a conductor for a little while, and then they immediately put me in to be an engineer. So I was going to be a locomotive engineer, and I took the test. I was number one in my class, which yeah. was kind of neat. I drove home. It was about a two-hour drive home from where the classes were held. When I got home, I within an hour, I got a call saying I was laid off because GM just went on strike. And that's the biggest freight that we moved was GM vehicles out of the Detroit area uh, to Chicago. So I got laid off, and that's where my IT world kind of started. And, you know, they eventually called me, wanted me to come back. But at that point, I was uh, employed elsewhere, and I wasn't happy. And I said, no, I'm I'm not coming back. They were not happy that they gave me all this training, and then effectively i quit but you shouldn't have laid me off yeah i said he was like well we didn't give you all this training and then for you to just to quit i said well then you shouldn't have laid me off dude i I need to pay bills how how can they say you quit when they laid you off well because technically they laid me off they didn't fire me i was on hiatus with no Uh, money right okay but they weren't paying me anything yeah. Okay. So you weren't you weren't made redundant, which right. is what what the equivalent would be here. Which basically, basically well, usually you, laid off does mean that. Way. But in their in their view, I was temporarily laid off. Well, but they yeah. didn't give me a per diem or anything to tide me over until they brought me back. Oh, well, then yeah, tough. I hated the schedule, anyways. You, yeah. It was one of those schedules that they would uh, call you up out of the blue, like, okay, in two hours you need to be at this location, and you're taking a train to Chicago. And it's a deadhead, which means you could be sitting in Chicago for two days until you catch another train back. Uh, you couldn't really plan birthday parties. You could be gone on Christmas. I mean, it was it was nuts. And it was right when Julie and I were first 
dating and, and getting together. Yeah. And yeah. It, it just wasn't conductive to a healthy relationship. And I, even in the early days, I really felt like I had something with her. There was something different about her that there was a yeah. future there. And obviously I was right because here we are. It's, we're, yeah. we're married. Not conductive to be a conductor. <laughs> so we would love feedback from you, the listener. Uh, easy to do. Simply send an email to the show at techfanpodcast.com. You can also go to techfanpodcast.com and leave a comment in the show notes, and uh, we'll read it here on the show. We really do want your feedback, by the way. We're not just saying this. It makes the show a lot better when we have something to discuss. Yeah. Um, another way is Twitter. We're at Tech Fan Podcast, and we are on the Facebook as well. Uh, last thing before we wrap this uh, shorter show up, David, because we got a little bit of a late start because someone <coughs> was uh, sleeping. <laughs> um, in a couple weeks hopefully my cold will be gone by then we will uh, be face to face again in uh, Woodstock, Illinois for Stock. That's, that's if I'm not sleeping uh, yeah well David doesn't <laughs> sleep in and miss his plane yeah. <laughs> so Stock is happening July 16th and 17th uh, it's at the uh, Lucent Conference Center uh, at, in Woodstock, Illinois uh, the price plus barbecue is only 149 bucks. It really is worth it. There's going to be some great people at this event, some great speakers. Um, I am one of the speakers, but I'm just hosting the round table. It should be a lot of fun. I mean, there's some great people here, including Guy Stero from the MyMac podcast, uh, Don McAllister from Screencast Online, Adam Christensen from the MacCast. Uh, just really cool people. I did a... Uh, a show with uh, Chuck Joyner, Mac Voices, called The Road to Mac Stock. And uh, that was a lot of fun. So it's going to be a great time. I, I really do encourage people to uh, to come to Mac Stock if you have the opportunity. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't know. No, I'm between jobs at the moment. And so I don't know what my schedule is going to look like at that time. Is there a possibility that I won't be able to go because of a new job? Yes. And this is the first that David is actually hearing about this as well. Yep. But um, the two places that I interviewed just recently, I think they both are really, really interested. One of them, even more so, they've actually called some of my references and they sent me to get a drug test. Um, okay. I think they will be understanding that I'm going to miss a Friday and a Saturday because I'm going to drive up Friday. Yeah. Um, because this is a previous engagement. This isn't something that I'm trying to get out of work on a brand new job. Uh, but if they are, you know, reluctant to allow that, then, you know, nope. my first priority is to to pay the bills. And Well, yeah, if, if that's the case, then obviously I will be there to, to represent TechFan, and uh, I'll just pick up whatever you need me to pick up. So um, Don't pick up Guy, he's heavy. <laughs> Probably not, no. Uh, speaking of guy, I know him and uh, Gaz is getting ready to record the MyMac podcast forty five minutes from now. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good show. You should listen to. Absolutely. So with that, we're going to wrap up. Oh, excuse me. Oh, I just feel terrible. This episode of Tech Fan. Once again, thanks to our sponsor, MacSales dot com. If you've got a Mac or an iPhone and you like accessories for those devices, you need more RAM. You need more hard drive. 
need external storage all the way up to 40 terabytes, maxsales.com is the URL that you want to go to. Um, David, once again, um, I I'm really am sorry about your loss. It sounds like your Thank dad you. was a, an amazing person. I wish I would have had the uh, pleasure of meeting him at least once. But I, I said to somebody this morning, I went to synagogue this morning because part of the uh, the regular morning process for, for Jewish people is um, to, to go every weekend and, and say prayers and things. And so I saw a lot of people here in the UK who, who, who'd not spoken to me since he passed on. Um, and I, I, yeah, I said to somebody, I said he was a physically a very small man, but um, he made a big impact even though he was a small guy. Um, and, and that's certainly true. Well, so. knowing you for a decade and knowing the type of person you are, the kind of friend that you've become for me, to me, um, y you know, I, I got to credit your parents with that. So, thank you. It's thank a big you loss. So big loss. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan again. Love to get feedback from you guys. The show at techfanpodcast.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, we'll be back in a week. See you later, David. See you then.